Hey everyone, my name is Nick Wignall, and you're listening to the Minds and Mics podcast. On this show, I talk with experts in the fields of psychology, behavioral science, and human potential, and try to see the world through their eyes. How do they think differently about topics as diverse as addiction and mindfulness to parenting and motivation? What do they know that most of us don't? And what can we learn from them to improve our own lives in practical, meaningful ways? My guest today is Dr. Caitlin Foss. Formerly a tenured professor of developmental psychology, Caitlin is now a full-time life coach who specializes in high achievers interested in personal transformation. I asked Caitlin to come back to the show to talk about life coaching, what it really is, how it can be helpful, and some straightforward advice for how to go about finding a coach who's a good fit for you. I also play devil's advocate a little bit and asked Caitlin to address some of the most common objections and misconceptions out there about life coaching. If you've ever been curious about or even a little skeptical of life coaching, Caitlin is the perfect person to explain what it is and why more of us should at least consider working with a coach. Caitlin Foss, welcome back to the show. So happy to be here, Nick. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, you know, you were back, I think you were on in episode eight, way back in like, you know, kind of late spring of last year. And we talked about, you did a great episode on sort of the psychology of overeating um, and sort of how to think through that as that dilemma that I think a lot of us, um, a lot of people struggle with in, in one respect or another. So that was awesome. If anyone's listening and interested in that topic, go, you know, back in the time machine and check out episode eight. It's really good. One of my favorites. <laughs> um, but today we're going to definitely switch gears and talk about something a little different, which is life coaching. Um, and you are a life coach and maybe that's a good place to start. Can you kind of tell us about your background and then how you got into life coaching and what you do now? Yeah, I earned a PhD in human development and family studies in 2013, became a professor, tenure track, became a department chair, and I discovered life coaching along the way of that process in 2016. It was a student, a term, a a student told me about it. It was like a term that they were using and something they might want for a profession. And at the time I was like, what, what are you talking about? What's a life coach? I had no idea. And I, you know, developmental psychology, I was used to the idea of training students to go into therapy and off to med school and very regulated professions, but I hadn't heard about life coaching yet. So the more I looked into it, the more I was very interested in it. I don't have a traditional clinical background, even though I have developmental psych as a background. And I was like, life coaching is such a good compliment for me. I want to do more of this. So I've spent the past four to five years developing that skill set and then transitioning into full-time life coaching for myself. I left my professor position and love coaching groups and individuals now full-time. Wow. Super cool. Um, Tell us a little bit. Well, actually, let's walk through some of the most common misconceptions about life coaching. I think there there are a lot of these out there. I know when I talk to people about coaching and life coaching in particular, um, I get some, some interesting uh, pushback maybe on the idea. So I tell you what, let's, let's play, I'll play kind of fake devil's advocate and run through some of the most common kind of maybe objections or questions I've heard about life coaching. And I'll get you your perspective on, on these. I think this will be kind of helpful. So the first one that I think the most common one that I run into is basically life coaches aren't legit. They're just people who call themselves coaches, um, but they don't really have kind of rigorous training or skills. So how, how would you kind of respond to that? criticism. Yeah, it can absolutely be true. So who are you looking at for a coach and do they have experience and or expertise? So I would say the same thing about the 25 year old who just got out of uh, a master's degree for therapy and is gaining their first set of clinical hours. They too are very unskilled in a lot of ways. They both, they don't have much life experience, some, a lot of them. And they're still gaining their skill set. I train new coaches right now, and I see a lot of bad coaching, so to speak, because they're learning. And the goal, of course, is don't do any harm to the patient, to the client. But also it's that some people are ready for that level. Like they can be facilitated in that type of environment of, oh, this person doesn't have much training, but they do they are able to hold the space for me. And that's where I am right now. Like I might be a client that's just needs that. But if you're further along the road, or if you've had a lot of therapy, or if you've, um, you know, or are a clinician yourself, you need somebody who is at a higher level who has more experience. And so I look at it as, at it as an experience thing. Who is facilitating 
your session? And as a life coach or as a therapist, as a psychologist, do they have the background that you need to kind of meet you where you are? Yeah, it's a great point. I like that because it's in some ways this criticism is kind of an unfair comparison because you you know if you um if you had a leak in your house right and you call the plumber and the plumber was like brand new and just out of training and like that's everybody starts somewhere right if you have a teacher you know your kid starts high school and there's a some brand new twenty two year old teacher like right out of undergrad like of course they're going to be kind of fresh and have sort of an underdeveloped skill set um, so I like that perspective I think that's helpful so. Um, given that coaching isn't, and we can get it more into this, but it's not regulated in the same way that something like psychotherapy um, would be. Do you think it's true? Like, do you think people need to be especially diligent in when they kind of look for and select a coach? And how how do you recommend people think through that? Yeah, it's the question of, okay, what training does this person have, and do I know enough about the different types of training? That's a learning process within itself, right? Of kind of understanding all the letters behind people's names, what's possible there. And for a lot of people, that's like too much. What they know is that they need help right now. And so what I recommend for those people, if you don't know what all these letters mean and you don't know the whole background, it's kind of like start with, do you have a good connection with someone? Are you drawn to them? And you're like, huh, they might be able to help me. Let me explore their website. Let me get on an interview with them if it's possible. Let me listen to what they're putting out into the world. Do I have that connection with them? Okay, great. Do we then have the ability to work together in the right time zones? And is this at my price point? And is this, do they think they can help me, right? Do they think that we'd be a good fit together? Because there's that dynamic of it isn't just you saying this person can help me it's the facilitator or the coach also saying yeah and i'd like to help you i believe i have a skill set to help you getting that confirmation from someone and from a coach or even a therapist who isn't graspy or clinging to the idea of like i need you as a client oh. <laughs> like run away from those people right yeah. like that will that can be really scary and salesy so if they are coming after you a little bit too much, like back off and be like, there are other options out there. There's going to be a, the right fit for me. And if I stay open and I kind of let things come to me a little bit, oh, look what lands in my lap. Oh, look at this search I did. Perfect. Let me explore this option with this person. I love that. I, I often think about that with therapy, that when you're looking for a therapist, you have to have this balance of, you have to be kind of aggressive because you have to go out there and look and like kind of do your research. Um, but at the same time, I like that you need to have that receptivity, like to, to be able to be patient and wait for kind of the right, use the term the fit. So let's, I want to ask you more about that. I think this is so important in therapy anyway, like finding, and, and my, my, I think my clients who have had the most success long-term, what they, I always hear from them at some point eventually is one of the, the thing, maybe the thing they appreciate most is just how in sync we are, like we're on the same wavelength. You know, they really feel like I kind of get them. Now, but that's, it's a little fuzzy. So I know you can't provide a perfect answer for this, of course, but if you're, if you're looking for that, you're trying to find someone who's a good fit, who kind of gets you, what do you, how do you do that? Like what, what are some of the details that would kind of like clue you into someone is a good fit? And, and I'm asking this maybe from the perspective of someone who could probably know, but maybe second guesses themselves a lot or doesn't um, maybe trust their intuition on that. So how do you, yeah, how do you tune into that? Yeah, I like to think of the metaphor of a radio station of everybody is on different channels and you hear someone talking or speaking and like everyone listening to this podcast is in tune with you, Nick, because they like listening to this podcast, right? So you're on their radio station, like they hear you. And we do this with different people in the media, even, you know, it's like, I hear them and the words that they're saying really make sense for me. And I resonate with them. Part of what you're saying, same wavelength. It just makes sense. So who, when you're looking for a facilitator, a coach, a therapist, a mentor, like who's on your wavelength, can you hear them? And that's the beauty of podcasts, YouTube videos right now. Uh, reading books from people that you might be interested in. It's that ability to say, huh, they're really on my radio station. Now, that second guessing part, I did that with 
some of my facilitators over time, I've been like, no, this person, like, why am I drawn to them? Hmm. I don't know. And I keep like paying attention, paying attention. It's like, I can't help myself. I'm compelled. So if you feel compelled and you kind of like keep coming back and they, you, the person just can't get off of your mind, you know, it's kind of keeps coming back around. And you're like, okay, so maybe by the third time I've had this thought, I really do need to follow up or take the next step myself. That would be a way to trust your intuition to get over the doubt of like, okay, this happened a fourth time or something, right? Just make a deal with yourself and then follow through when it actually happens. Right. You know, and I think one of the big fear, kind of implicit fears that people have, at least from a therapy perspective, I assume it's similar in coaching is people kind of assume that like, once I dial that therapist or coach's number and make the call, I'm hooked. I'm in it for like a year and I'm like, I'm, I'm committed and like, I can't back out and like, and I, I don't know if this is true in, in coaching, so you can speak to this, but I know in therapy, I always recommend that you just because you call someone and chat with them and say, Hey, like, what's your deal? Like, I'm, I'm kind of interested. You are not committed. Like you can just talk to someone for five minutes and get a sense for what they're like, you know, and see if they do a, a, an initial consultation. And if it, if it turns out it's a disaster and not a good fit, you can peace out, you know, and it's, it's really not a big deal. Um, is that, do you kind of approach it from a similar perspective? Yeah, it's interesting. I think that's one of the therapist coach differences where people think that like, I have to go tell the therapist my entire life story. So if I find someone, I want to commit to them almost, you know, like I don't want to have to start over this process with somebody new. So let me make sure the person's really good from the beginning. And, or if you are in a therapy model where there needs to be a lot of intake forms, especially for insurance, it can feel kind of like, don't make me start over. I had worked with a therapist a couple of years ago and I was using my insurance and it was like, I need someone right now. I was kind of in that mode of, I need somebody right now to help me. And the therapist wanted to do a lot more background info. And I knew by like the third meeting, I was like, this is not the person for me, but I had kind of gotten down the path, gone down the path so far already. I was kind of like, well, I mean, even I'll keep going. And I'm, you know, I know these things. I know about all the credentials. Almost all my best friends are clinicians or therapists. Right. And it was still, I was a little bit sucked into the system. Yeah. So in kind coaching, of some cost. Yeah. we, yeah, right. Some cost fallacy. So we, in coaching, we have a little more flexibility with that of there's more consult call informational interview set up from the beginning. Like almost every coach does that. And often it is session by session or kind of, um, you know, I think of coaching as I don't need to know your story. Do not tell me your whole story or like go through every piece of your life. That's not the work we're going to be doing here. And I can do so much great work with you without having to hear every bit of your childhood. I promise. So that then just speeds a lot of things up and people are like, oh, you helped me do this in one session. Okay. I'll come back later if I need more help or, you know, it varies. I love it. Okay. So while we're on the topic of comparing coaching to therapy, um, so I think another uh, I don't know, objection I hear to life coaching is that, well, if you think you need a life coach, really you just need to get serious and get a psychotherapist. Like you really just need therapy. Um, so talk about, talk to that objection and maybe why someone would uh, need or benefit from a coach as opposed to a therapist. Like what's sort of the, the, the different offering, um, on your guys' side? Yeah. And I, you know, at this point, I don't even know if there is so much a different offering, but that they can complement each other. So what I really view it as is you need a team of people that support you. And we do this as individuals like, okay, I have my primary care doctor. I have my chiropractor, acupuncturist. I have my uh, person at the gym that facilitates an experience for me, a personal trainer, or, you know, we have people on our team, so to speak, and then we may have both a therapist and a coach. Like there have been times in my life where I have both at the same time and they're functioning in different roles for me. And it's not necessarily their title that makes the difference. It's just part of that relationship and rapport that we got into of, oh, I take this issue to this person. Or, you know, my therapist could really help me with part of that childhood piece I really wanted to go back to. Okay, and my coach is helping me talk about my goals, for example. It really varies. But, you know, somebody I work with right now, we cover the whole gamut of everything, of like all the topics. So it's about that fit and how much can they facilitate for you and recognizing 
I have multiple people in our in my life to help me be the next version of the person I want to be. So if I put myself in a box, though, if I limit myself to thinking, oh, no, I can only go to a therapist who has a PhD, you know, I need to make sure like I'm only going to see that person. I've already just limited myself to possibilities for people who could help me uh, along the way. Yeah. So let's say, suppose you got someone's listening here and they're thinking, okay, I, I, I definitely know I need somebody. I want to work with somebody. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not positive that I absolutely need full on psychotherapy. Um, I think I could benefit from coaching, but I could, I also think I could benefit from therapy, but given time and money constraints, I can only do one. How, what are kind of some of the main, and I know they're not completely separate, uh, differences, but in general, what are some of the things that a life coach would be especially useful for compared to a therapist? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think the behavior component. So is there a behavior you want to stop doing? Uh, like the stop overeating, stop over drinking, stop procrastinating. Uh, is there something you want to change like that? Is there a habit you're working on can be really great for life coaching and you know, most of my clients, they've been through therapy or they've been through years of therapy and they're looking for the next step. Like I've told my story to someone, I've reframed a lot of this. Now, what am I working on? Or another way to think about it would be, I feel pretty solid as a person of like what I'm working on. I'm not feeling depressed and anxious and like, I can't get out of bed right now. I'm pretty high functioning but I also know I need support. I need some scaffolding to get me to that next level. That's where I see coaching really fitting in. And some therapists are really good coaches. That's the other thing, not to eliminate the idea of, well, you know, just because you get the thinking of therapists and childhood and certain way modalities that they use might not be true. They might be an amazing coach as well. And I've seen a lot of therapists become coaches. So if you're thinking about like one or the other, I'd go back to the fit of the person. Is this the person? Is this my person that I want to work with? It may actually also be a pastor or a spiritual leader, guidance person uh, in that realm that they also have training to help guide people through an experience. And I love how Rob Bell said this and everything is spiritual. Like some people, you are so surprised that they are your facilitator. Like you wouldn't even expect them to be the person who could help you up level in the next area of your life, but you have to be open to it. Yeah, that's great. What do you make of this? I heard someone once describe this difference between therapy and coaching as, for the most part, th- therapy is about healing and coaching is about growth. What do, you, what do you make of that? I like that phrase. And I mean, I work with somebody where we do both right now. Sure. In one sure. person, right? And so it's like a yes and statement of don't limit yourself to a box. Right, right. Okay, so another common response I hear to the suggestion to try life coaching is people will say things like, oh, there's nothing you can't get from a life coach that you couldn't just get from a good friend. You know, like you're just paying someone to do what your friends will do anyway. Um, so what, how do you respond to that one? Yeah. Well, as someone who has clinicians as best friends and therapists and live, I'm immersed in this world, my friends are very invested in my well-being a little too much. Like they are attached to me. If I talk about my relationship with my husband, with my best friend who I've known since I was 12 and she's watched my relationship develop all of these years. She is also interested in my marriage. Like she watched it from the beginning. And so talking to her about it is great, but having a neutral third party who really does not care at the end of the day, like that sounds a little harsh, but at the end of the day, they don't care if I'm stay married or not, or whatever I'm doing in my relationship, they're not invested in me. They care, but like, don't care, right? They're just not attached to what I do. They're not living my life at the end of the day, after their sessions, they don't need to think about me or what's happening next because they're not seeing me on a daily basis. Like we're not going to keep interacting and friends keep interacting with you. They want the best for you. Uh, they want to see you succeed and, and like, so does your coach or therapist. They want the best for you, but not in the same way of like, and you're going to be able to help me in the future. Yeah. So is the, is the idea, 
underneath that that because a friend or a family member is so kind of personally invested in you, um, both in kind of an intensity level, but also in a, we're in this for the long haul together, like I'm gonna be with you for you know the next decade, if not rest of your life. Is it that because of that, it makes those people kind of um, biased in a way, like that they're, they're not as objective, whereas someone, a, a coach who generally has your best interests in mind, but doesn't, I mean, doesn't have to talk to you every single day, doesn't live with you, doesn't you know um, have to go to Christmas dinner with you, they, because there's less pressure on them, because you don't have a relationship outside, they're able to be more objective in how they think about what you're struggling with and, and how to help move things forward. Is that, is that kind of the main idea underneath or, or are there other things? Yeah. And it's about saying, like, I can tell you hard things as your coach because I'm not concerned about what you're going to say on the other end. I had one of my best friends say this who is a clinician, she was like, I'm afraid to tell you something, right? Because she's my friend. She wasn't, ha- she didn't have that hat on and she wasn't trying to be that role for me, which is the other piece that we get into of some, we need space to be in our roles often. Right now in society, at least we do in terms of like, okay, yeah, here I am with this hat on. Like now I'm coaching and I'm holding space for someone. I do that at home. If I take that home and I try to hold space or I get a little too coachy, my 15 year old quickly reminds me of don't life coach me. Stop it right now. Like be my mom. And it's that reminder of like, Oh yes, sometimes my roles blur, but also I do like, I have different hats and I'm putting them on at different times and I go back and forth. I need to be fluid with that. And so that's the other piece of friends and family members of having them coach you or having them, be your main facilitator. The other thing I run into that I see a lot with people is where they kind of, um, with consent or not, they end up using family members or friends as kind of like their emotional support person or therapist or coach. Um, And what can end up happening is through nobody's fault, I think it can lead to a lot of resentment. You know, somebody, the other person starts to feel kind of used in a way like they're giving and giving and giving and giving and it the relationship starts to feel one-sided and then again through not because not intentionally but they start kind of pulling back from those relationships and things start to get kind of weird and tense and um it's just strained those relationships can get really strained so i think that's the other thing that is good to keep in mind when you if you consider using someone as a as a we i mean we all need to talk to our friends and and family members or whatever when we're struggling um to some extent but if it becomes this like habitual thing where they're the only person you kind of talk to there's a real risk i think that you're gonna upset the nature of that relationship in the long run oh yeah i'm a better friend because i see my coach right because i see my facilitators and because i've been to therapy I'm a better friend, better wife, better, better family member, because I can just show up and be myself. I'm not desperate on the other end. I'm not grasping after them of like, please help me. Please fix me. It's just more like, yeah, sometimes I cry with my friends, but I don't need their emotional support. I'm not after it in the same way that I was maybe before my experiences, right? Before getting coached, before uh, going to therapy. Yeah. Okay, here's another objection I heard. And this this one is verbatim. I <laughs> this one I, I wrote this one down verbatim. Uh, it's, in, it's in quotes I heard from someone. They said, life coaches are just snake oil salesmen out to make a quick buck off of vulnerable people. I was like, wow, when I heard that. But do you, I don't know, do you ever, have you ever heard that complaint or something along those lines that it's it's sort of a, they're just kind of out to make, they're, they're purely in it for the for the money or the financial thing and they're just kind of preying on people have you ever have you ever heard that? i know that's a pretty intense criticism <laughs> yeah yeah i totally understand the i see that both with coaches and i've had therapists who are like that actually totally. that you're like whoa whoa it's l- less likely i think maybe for the people that go into therapy right you're not setting out into therapy and going through those years of training with big goals in mind of making millions of dollars and sometimes sometimes the life coaching industry acts like and now you're going to make millions of dollars and it attracts some people who are like, ooh, I just want to do that. And so it involves helping people. That's fine. But what I'm after is the money. And you're like, oh, wrong goal for the scheme of things, right? Like holding space for people and being their facilitator is a very sacred experience to like honor and cherish rather than 
only viewing it as a business strategy or like, this is the way I will make money only. And I have my own work to do on money always, but I think of that too as the salesman piece can be especially tied to business coaches. Like I think we can, in our U.S. culture with our values of success and achievement and work harder, it can be really tempting to be like, oh, a business coach is what I need and I will hire them. And then you get into work with someone and they're working on life stuff with you because that can come up. And then you're kind of like, oh, wait, what am I doing? Is this the relationship I want from this business coach? And business coaches can charge more money. We value it more as a society. And so I think that's part of where the lines can get a little blurry of where then someone feels used and feels like all life coaches are salespeople uh, or like too salesy, let's say, and they don't want to be involved in that. Because yeah, I mean, I get sold things all the time where, and you're like, that person is so good at sales. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the, can I pause and remember, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yes, I love to be sold. And I really want to have space to be vulnerable and open up. And can that person also do that? Are they in it? Are they in it for more than the package they're trying to sell me? Yeah, I I think there's like this, I would argue unreasonably high expectation of anyone in what you might call kind of a helping profession, whether it's therapy or coaching or mentoring or whatever, that, that like, because it's this, and it's true, it is this kind of almost sacred role, right? You're really, you're helping people with their most kind of vulnerable and difficult things. But I think a lot of people have this expectation that, well, because it's such an important profession, everybody should be stellar, right? And if, if they're not, if there's like a few bad apples, like they just kind of have this tendency to write off the whole profession, which is a little crazy (laughs) because in any profession, right? Again, whether we're talking about a plumber or your chiropractor or your physician or your therapist or your coach or whomever, like you're going to have skeezy, like snake oil salesman people, right? And it's, it's a little unfair to, even in your own mind, to kind of write off a whole profession just because there definitely are some bad actors in there. Um, so oh, I, yeah. I don't, yeah. When somebody says, I went to therapy once, I tried that. I made it three appointments or, you know, like I made it through three appointments and now I will never go to therapy again. You're like, whoa, whoa. You just wrote off an entire field of amazing <laughs> professionals because of three sessions that you had. And that's part of, you know, how do we as a field of helping professionals help clients understand that of keep trying other people and keep showing up like look for that right fit with somebody because if you do share something vulnerable and you get shut down or you have a bad coaching or therapy experience yeah it does make sense that you're like "Mm -mm, not for me but that's part of that can I open back up and be vulnerable again there is somebody that's out there for me that can help me it makes me think that this is in some ways is a weird comparison, but I think it's also apt in some ways that I, I think about finding a therapist or maybe a coach too. It's a little like dating in the sense that you would, if you went on a date once and were like, oh, that was an awful experience. I'm done with this. Like romantic relationships. Nope. Not going to do them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like no way. That's an unreasonable standard. But it also, the, the, the comparison I think is apt because it, it's, it's hard to recognize in this, in the moment, but all those dates that don't go well, those are actually helping calibrate your dating sensor to find, to get better attuned to what you actually do want. When realizing what you don't want helps you figure out what you do want. And I think it's the same with finding a, a therapist or a coach, right? Is that you, you go in and you have a couple of bad experiences. You're like, all right, I definitely know what I don't want now. And that, that actually makes it a lot easier to kind of filter through the mass of people out there and find someone who is, like you said, kind of a better fit for you particularly. Oh, hundred percent. And that's like the, I only got here because of the failures or because of the people I worked with before or some successes along the way. Right. And it's a little bit of both with each person that you work with. You're like, there were good things and there were bad things. And now, like you said, I'm calibrated. I know who I'm looking for next and they will arrive. They will show up when I'm ready for that next person. Like, oh, look, here they are. I do want to work with them. I'm ready. Yep. I, and I, I don't know if you've found this 
too, but there is definitely a strong correlation in my experience with clients who do, who I, who do really well with me, who make like a lot of progress on stuff. There, there is this pattern where a lot, a high percentage of those people have had at least a couple not great experiences with coaching or therapy in the past. And so they, it's almost like they're, they're kind of working out the, the, the kinks and the stuff they don't want. And then they, they get to me. I just feel lucky that like, I happen to be the one who showed up third or fourth or fifth and they're like ready to go now because they know what they don't want and what they don't need to work on. You know, so it's, it, it's a hard reframe, I think, but there's so much value in, in going for some test drives, you know, and not, yeah. and not having unreasonable standards for those first couple attempts. For sure. Success is built on a pile of failures. Everybody who's accomplished anything can tell you like, oh, you see that, you know, I achieved this thing. You don't see the whole pile of things that failed for me to get there. So same thing in the relationship of therapist, client, coach, client. uh, That totally makes sense in all of our relationships with people. This is another relationship that you're in. It just has different dynamics than some of the relationships you're used to. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Okay, final, um, I don't know if it's a complaint against the the life coaching profession is, uh, this is one of my favorites. Life coaching is too woo-woo or new agey. Like that's that's the image people have in their mind of like what a, you walk into a life coach's office and they're like in baggy shorts and a Hawaiian shirt and just kind of like there's a lot of incense burning and nothing against incense or Hawaiian shirts, but like there's this, mis- or there's this conception out there that all life coaches are sort of these I don't know. Yeah. Very like new agey, woo woo, whatever that means. I don't know what that means, but those are the words that come up a lot when people describe what they imagine life coaching is like. So, um, yeah. What do you, what do you think about that? I love this question so much because I've been (laughs) through this in the past year for sure, because I'm a very science driven type of person. Like I need my professionals to have the degrees and the credentials I only rely on scientific evidence, right? Like I was born and raised in that environment, so to speak. And that is in a lot of ways, a silo that we can get trapped in as a construct of, oh, wait a minute. Do you know that there's all these people who have been exploring spirituality, new age, woo woo stuff, let's say for thousands of years, they look different, sound different, And, you know, it might feel really strange at first, but we just weren't born and raised in that environment, so to speak. Like, I grew up in southwestern Ohio. We didn't, I didn't have much exposure to that world. You know, like, Los Angeles was a whole nother exotic place until I visited it. But it was still just like, they live in a different world than I live in. So, recognizing wait a minute, if I shut that whole world down and I say like, "Mm -mm, not for me, they don't have a scientific journal article to back them up, forget it. I lose the opportunity to learn something from somebody else that's different from me. We see this across all kinds of different groups of people, right? We're like, oh, you're not part of my crowd. Nope. Sorry. I don't want to hear it from you. But I think that science, spirituality, new age stuff has such great connections actually between them. If you start to dive in a little bit and you recognize like, whoa, there are a lot of parallels here and we're all pretending like there aren't, uh, or we're just staying in our camps and we're not talking to each other, then actually what, you know, like what we need to do is bring more of us all together and to talk and interact and share ideas and have dialogue. And there's a lot of fun in that. So I, I understand if somebody's like, nope, new age, I was there. Like, call me a year ago, and I was like, mm-mm, not for me. But now I've, I'm integrating it with my strong scientific background. And that's the way to think about it. It's not like, oh, and now I'm going to ne- go need to join a cult. <laughs> that's where some of my clients will be like, wait, if I start to get into any kind of weird stuff over there, I'm going to join a cult. Right. I'm like, you're not going to join a cult. I prom- <laughs> Like, you are still going to have your adult brain prefrontal cortex working. I promise. But trust me on this. There's some things to learn. (laughs) I love that point about integration. I would also just say that, I don't know, 95% of the life coaches I know and have met are remarkably, um, straightforward. You would not, you would not, you would never like characterize them as, you know, this kind of like new agey or woo woo or like, 
it's almost by definition, coaching is just like straightforward is the word I use that comes to mind. So even compared to therapy, right? It's, it's just so pragmatic in a lot of ways. Um, not that you guys don't integrate some of that, um, some of those other kind of traditions, but I think that's a really, maybe one of the most off base misconceptions about life coaching, um, is that the people, the only people who do life coaching are these like woo woo kind of mystical cult leaders, right. Who are just in it to kind of brainwash you. And like, that is a complete 180 from my experience with life coaches anyway. Um, for, for sure. With the, uh, like often people are like, wow, you're very firm or you can be very tough sometimes. Right. And I'm like, yes, I want you to get value out of this session right now. Right. Like you are going to take this and run with it. And it's back to that objectiveness. Like I'm not actually interested in you even liking me. I don't need you to like me. I need you to like do your work of what you, why you showed up, what, you know, why you're here. You're paying me money for this. Yeah. Get the value out of it. Let's be straightforward and objective about your next steps. I, I also wanted to comment, Caitlin, because I'm glad you brought this up, this idea of kind of integrating more non-traditional approaches to helping people grow and improve. I, I always love to point out that, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a therapist, I'm a psychologist, I've got a PhD, I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist. CBT is like the gold standard for evidence-based research-backed treatment for mental health, most mental health conditions. And what's really fascinating that most people don't realize is the current kind of wave or generation of cognitive behavioral therapy, which is called third wave CBT. It was, I mean, it was born in sort of Eastern mindfulness based traditions like that. That is what kickstarted third wave cognitive behavioral therapy, which now has all this research support behind it. Like I was just reading a book on um, a, what's called mindfulness based cognitive therapy, which, which is the most effective um cbt therapy for chronic depression um and it's there's been there've been dozens of studies on it it's been well researched and supported that would not be there if it weren't for this woo woo guy john kabat-zinn who like brought so much of this kind of eastern wisdom about mindfulness and acceptance um into the the silo of kind of evidence-based sciencey uh, treatment so I think that's a, I always like to throw that out there because I, I think like you pointed out, th these two things um, work together and play off each other in so many ways. And I think that's a, a important for people to, to hear and understand. Yeah. And if you even look at somebody's lineage or you ask them who they've trained with, especially some of these top scientists, researchers that are running the biggest labs in the country, you get to the root of it or they admit to you of like, Oh yeah, I mean my Eastern spiritual teacher is so and so, and you're like, wait, what? What's happening? How do I not know about this? <laughs> right. Oh, I I just haven't been paying attention because I've been living in my boxes and constructs of this is the only way it is. Yeah. Okay, so what's um? Let's get into some more kind of nuts and bolts stuff about life coaching. Like, let's say someone's kind of over their hangups about the idea their their mis their conceptions or misconceptions about life coaching, and they're like, okay, yeah, I think I might I think I might want to do this. Um. Some kind of basic questions, and you, I think you kind of hinted at this, but it'd be worth um, asking more directly. So can you have a therapist and a life coach? Is that like against yeah. the rules or can you do both? You can do both for sure. Yeah. Why not? I, <laughs> I totally agree with you. I think it's great. I have a number of clients who also have either life coaches or executive coaches. Um, and, but I, I just think it's such a, it's interesting that a lot of people go in for whatever reason, their default assumption is like, there's a rule that like you can only have one, right? Only one, only one like helping professional at a time. Yeah. Um, and well, on the flip side, it can, there can be too many cooks in the kitchen to, so to speak. If you're like, oh, I wanted to talk about careers with my therapist. And like, then you go to your session with your coach and you're like, so my therapist was saying blah, blah, blah. And there's not that you're kind of like, wait, catch me up. Or do I even need to be caught up? Maybe not if you're trying to do a continuous thread of something. So pay attention to that, watch for it of kind of like, oh, especially if I'm working with a coach who doesn't try to do the whole backstory or how was your week, for example, then you're golden because they don't need to know or it'll come up if it's actually rele relevant. So yeah, finding that balance of how many helping professionals do I need at this time in my life? Yeah, yeah, and to get pretty explicit and clear about, given that there's gonna be some overlap, who's doing which job? You know, um, and even you can have people talk to each other, right? You can sign releases and have, have people get on the same page. 
Okay. How about, um, how about the money question? How much does life coaching cost? I know it's probably a huge, there's probably a ton of variance there, but like, what do you say when people ask you that? I mean, not your particular rates, but. Oh yeah, totally varies. So I see the new coaches charge about a hundred dollars a session to business coaches charging $500 a session. So I see a range between a hundred and $500 on the regular. Okay. And that, I assume that's not covered by insurance most of the time, right? That's going to be out of pocket. Right. Unless you're seeing a licensed clinician who's going to bill it through insurance, but then they're going to call it therapy. That's where the therapists who also coach have to do a little bit of a dance with their paperwork and everything, like lining up with licensure. But for coaches who don't have any licenses, you know, from the state and from board regulated pieces, then yeah, it can be, it's uh, out of pocket and pay, you know, pay this amount and you can either pay it or not. <laughs> yeah. That's it. And, and one of the things I think is um, an underappreciated part of that, because people think, oh, out of pocket, like it's going to be a lot, you know, um, and to some extent it is. But one of the things you're paying for there is you you don't get a diagnosis that follows you for the rest of your life. And that that is something you're signing on for when you see a therapist or a mental health professional and they start billing insurances. They have to give you a diagnosis, right? And that for the most part, that's, that's on your permanent record. Um, and that, you know, it, it's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but that, I think that's something a lot of people aren't, aren't aware of and is, can be a benefit of going the coaching route because you don't, they're not compelled to do that. Well, I, I and think, that's right? part of why coaches need to know if your client really does need a therapist, because there's kind of that underbelly of like doctors, we see a lot of doctors in coaching and uh, people who work in the aviation industry. And there are very specific jobs and careers where people don't want that permanent record. And so they come to coaching. And so it is that balance of like, hey, if you have never been to therapy and may need a diagnosis, you do need to probably go see someone. So that's part of why I also always try to pick a coach who knows that difference, right? Knows that has training in the idea of when to refer you to another specialist. And that's part of that non-graspy salesy piece too, right? Like for some of my clients, I'm like, you know, you know what you need next. I'm actually often recommending them to a somatic experiencer now, or somebody who works with their body. I'm like, whether or not you keep seeing me at this moment, your, your next step is working with your body. So can you like, let's work on finding that person for you. And I'm not attached to the idea of like, and that might mean you give me up. That's okay. Yeah, Yeah. that's great. Everybody listening, this is the non-clinginess you really want to look for (laughs) that Caitlin mentioned. Um, Okay, another kind of nuts and bolts question. How often do do people typically meet with a life coach? And again, I'm sure there's a ton of variety, but if if someone, again, if someone has never done life coaching and there's kind of thinking about it, what's kind of a ballpark answer to that? What should they expect? Yeah, I most often in the industry, I see once a week. That's where, however, I see people setting up packages and programs for others. With the years of coaching experience I have, I've moved back into the idea of like one-on-one sessions and you make the schedule. I'm not dragging you along for anything. If you are into this and it's week, you know, if I set you up for a package of 12 sessions, let's say, and it's week seven, you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. In no way do I want to be in session seven with you and you're feeling tortured or stuck in your pro- in your program or your package. So that's part of why I've moved back to one-to-one sessions and you set the time. Some clients see me once a week, sometimes twice a week, depending if they're going through something in particular. And others come see me once a month or once every couple of months. It's up to them. Yeah, and that's a, I don't know if it's similar with you, but and a lot of times with a lot of the clients I see, we tend to start off pretty consistent. So I, I meet with people regularly, you know, every week, usually um, for a while, often like months. Um, and then as they sort of progress, it, it often kind of lightens up and even goes to a sort of as needed uh, basis. And then if something happens, something big comes up, we can kind of rev back up to like weekly or every other week. And so it sounds like that's kind of a similar approach. Um, with Yeah. Coaching. You know, what's interesting about that is when I talk to a lot of therapists, they have that goal of, I want to get you out of therapy, right? Like I want you to exit this process. And in coaching, (laughs) there's definitely the, I don't want you to need me as a person. I want you to grow and learn these skill sets and move on with time. But if we have a really good fit, it'd be great to keep working together over the years. My clients who are long-term like that, and I do know background just by default of, you know, I do know their story of it's come out over the years. 
like we do really powerful work together because we've been at this for a while and because we've we've grown together in a lot of ways yeah yeah that's a great that's a great point i know this is another kind of impossibly hard question but can you talk about what like what does a life coaching session look like so you've never been to coaching or therapy or anything you show up day one like what's for you because that's let's talk about your experience like what's it kind of what should people expect to dive right in be like okay what are we working on now and for a lot of life coaches you know and for my style it's the idea of you're bringing to me the next step and so i'm not going to ask about last week or recap or any of that unless you bring it up and some coaches do more of that accountability piece of like okay tell me what happened in the last week or tell me what works or what didn't mine are more fluid but that's also with more experience right like if you think there's still something to talk about there it's going to come up in our conversation but you may be totally good with what happened last week and now we're here right now like what do you need right now being in that present moment with my client of like what's coming to mind right now what emotions do we need to process right now so that you have the skill set i trust that it all continues to build on itself So my sessions are 45 minutes and I don't have a particular agenda for where we're going to get to in that time because I have all that experience, right? Of like, I can trust the process and know it will unfold as it needs to. So for me, it's like being willing to show up to see where it takes us and trust that I do have structure. I do have holding the space capacity. Like I'm not, we're not going over time or you're not, I'm not going to let you, um, let's say start crying with five minutes to go because I know how to make the container for you and restore you back to where you need to be by the end of the session. But also know that like maybe you come on the call crying and you are miserable or know that you're feeling pretty good. But at minute 20, it's like, whoa, I didn't even know this was here. How did we uncover this piece? Oh, let's do a little work with that. That's part of the fluidity of my process. Gotcha. So where do people go if they, like, how do you even start looking for a life coach? Like, let's say you're like, yeah, you know what, this life coaching thing sounds pretty good. I think I want to do it. Like, what do I just Google life coach Albuquerque? Like, how do, do you have any kind of tips on like, how do people get started uh, finding a good life coach or at least kind of going on some test drives? Yeah, you can if you're looking for somebody local. At this point with Zoom, though, you don't even need to type in your local place. Just, you know, life coach and then type in some kind of specialization you're thinking about. Like, I tend to get a lot of experts and professionals or people with PhDs because I have one and they trust that I know what that's like. Sometimes when you're looking for somebody, if you're from like a background of having a PhD and then you go to somebody else who is maybe a little too impressed with your PhD, like if I went to a coach that had education drama themselves it would be like, oh, wait, we're already in a weird relationship and yeah. because you think my PhD is a bigger deal than it is. <laughs> and uh, that's part of where I get, like the experts and professionals are like, you get it, you know that this isn't the quite as big a deal as everybody out and about makes it out to be. But that's kind of like, I mean, if Beyonce wanted to come to me for life coaching, <laughs> I've got celebrity drama, right? Like, absolutely not. If she can't come see me, I'd just be a fangirl the whole time. So you have to find your person and know that, okay, Am I listening to a book or a podcast? You know, you could even put in Life Coach and one of the books that you follow or like famous authors, and maybe they've written a post about it and you start to follow them a little bit and explore. Uh, There are some databases for people, you know, for groups of life coaches, especially if you're looking for a particular training. You can go to one of those databases if you're like, I like that they were trained by this place or, you know, that they have this type of experience or certification like start on their website let's talk about that a little bit because while it's life coaching isn't um regulated in a big sense like physicians or even therapists are it there are like credentialing bodies right and schools and programs right so is it is it helpful for people to to know about that are those things like how do you think about those like i know there's like the well i don't know you would know better what what are kind of the big credentialing places for for life coaches 
Yeah, International Coaching Federation, ICF, is probably the most popular and that people run into if they're like, I need someone who has credentialing. Like, what's the biggest body? You usually run into ICF. And that is a particular type of coaching. And then also you're paying into a system for that training. I started that type of training and was like, this is great, but I want this other type of certification instead. So my training's from the Life Coach School, for example. She's trained thousands of coaches. That's another popular one. We have a database on the website. Uh, what Like Martha Beck is another really popular trainer. She, I'm not sure if she has a directory, but Martha Beck's training programs. Like you start to run quickly into the big coaching programs. Or like if you're a Tony Robbins person, right? Yeah. Okay, go find a Tony Robbins Life Coach. Then you'd... That, like he trains people. So a lot of the big names or other podcasts you're following or people who've written books probably have some kind of training program. So start there. Yeah. I, lo- I think that's such a great um, contemporary recommendation because more and more, I mean, like you and I both, we're, we're therapists and coaches um, and we, we do podcasts, we do blogs, right? we, we write articles, we go on other people's podcasts. So it's really the opportunity to get a, a relatively in-depth sense for what a, a person is like and like what their style is like and sort of how they think through issues and what types of things they're interested in and kind of specialize in. Like it's, there's so many opportunities to do that now. Like people have, people have blogs, people have podcasts, people have YouTube channels, like, and you can really, you can get a, kind of an intimate sense of like what this person is like. Um, so I think that, yeah, that's a great place to kind of start doing some preliminary research, just who are the people you kind of follow or are drawn to online and then look and see if they do offer kind of more one-on-one coaching. Yeah. All right, Kaylin, this has been awesome, super helpful and like practical. I think this is going to really be valuable for a lot of people. Um, where can people go if they want to learn more about you and your work? Yeah, my website's Dr. Caitlin Foss. So C-A-I-T-L-I-N-F-A-A-S is in Sam come check me out, YouTube videos. You've gotten to know me through this podcast. I love to do one-to-one work. I have groups as well. And I do want to give a caveat of sometimes we get a little trapped in thinking somebody does need to look like us, sound like us, and like, oh, like that person is just like me. I need to go work with them. I found some of my best work with people that are like, seem to be the opposite. So if we're opposites right now and you're like, but I'm intrigued, come check out my website. Let's set up a conversation. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Minds and Mics. If you haven't done so already, I'd appreciate it if you took one minute to give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps out a lot. And if you've already done that, please consider sharing Minds and Mics with a friend or family member you think would enjoy it. As always, thank you for continuing to support the show, and we'll see you next time.